Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neil. Hope you're all doing well. I'm currently in London. Oh my god, there's a fly in this room and it keeps flying near the mic. It literally sounds like he's featuring in the podcast. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm looking after we fill you well. I got here on Wednesday afternoon. The sun was shining as per usual in London. Why is it just literally another climate to the rest of the UK? Like sometimes when I come to London, it just convinces me that I want to live here. And then I actually think about how expensive it is and I'm like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) But that is one thing I absolutely love about it. I just feel like it's always so much warmer and so much sunnier. I swear they don't get half the amount of rain that Leeds or Belfast does. I don't know about anyone else, but I really go through phases of like thinking I want to move to London and then thinking the complete opposite. I think it's really easy to kind of like romanticize your life when you're visiting, but the reality is that your life wouldn't be like that if you actually lived here. Do you know? Like I'm treating it as a holiday. Obviously, it's going to be fun. But there is so much to do. There's so many opportunities. It's so pretty. I think the main issue is that if you don't have the money... Like, if you're just scraping by in London, what is the point of being in London? Because you're not actually benefiting from all the things there are to do and the places there are to go and the nice restaurants and bars and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? If you're just about getting the money together to pay your rent, I personally just feel like, why not take that money to another city, pay less rent and be able to enjoy the city more? Do you know what I mean? So I just think I would never actually move here unless I knew I was going to be completely fine money-wise. I don't know. I love London so much, but I just think it's a hard place to enjoy if you don't have the money to enjoy it, if that makes sense. Anyway, I got here on Wednesday. I came down for the Misfits event. Misfits is like a vegan protein bar company, and they just brought out a new vegan cereal, so or a, like protein cereal. It kind of it tastes like... You know those choc is it choco rocks? Do you know them? It tastes like them, but it's got like no sugar and high protein. This is not an ad. I just <laughs> thought I'd tell you what I was down here for. But yeah, it was at this place in Angel called Bubba Oasis. Anyone listening that lives in London, it's actually a really cute wee bar. The guys that run it are so nice as well. Like them alone would have made me want to stay there all night they're really cute one of the guys is from australia and he was just talking about how fun it is on a friday and saturday they've got like gay nights and like really fun rooftop parties and stuff and it's like quite intimate and small as well which is nice so yeah that's my recommendation for you if you live in london i'll tell you a bit of a story before i get into the main topic of the podcast so i'm gonna be talking about travel stories I guess this could kind of count as a travel story. Not really. I mean, I'm not traveling in London, am I? But I'm just going to start with a little story because I've had a bit of a nightmare. (laughs) Right. So I go to the event on Wednesday and then we decide to go out after. So it's me, my friend Brona and this girl Hannah who works for Misfit. And we go to a bar in Angel and... Brona doesn't get served. <laughs> the, the girl turns around and is like, she's too drunk. First of all, I've never heard anyone not serve someone in the UK like that. That's a very common thing in Australia. They're very strict with that. But I've never actually heard someone behind the bar say that to someone in the UK. Is that weird? 
I don't know. So bear in mind, Brona like was no more drunk than me. She was actually, if anything, she was maybe more sober than me. I don't know. I thought I was surprised by the comment. So she decides, you know what, that's my, that's my cue to leave, that's my night over. She had work in the morning as well, which, God, I could honestly see people that go out before, the night before working, how, you, like, no, I just couldn't, I could not do it. The hangover is honestly not me for six. So she goes home, so it's just me and Hannah, right? And we're like, where do we go? You know, not very familiar with the area. And I think we saw a bar that had like a bit of a buzz about it outside and you could kind of hear the music. So we were just like, fuck it, we'll just go there. And we ended up staying there drinking all night, right? And then the, I think the bar closed and then this is all, I, it's all a bit of a blur to be honest, but this guy was like, everyone come to my bar. And when he said everyone come to my bar, I thought it was just going to be like, you know, a bar down the road that was open and he'd maybe be able to get us we were on to drinks because it was his bar type of thing I didn't really know what to expect so anyway we're walking with this group of people I think (laughs) it was the weirdest mix of people I can possibly imagine there was one 50 year old man that had like a really long beard really long hair was wearing like proper biker clothes he had you know all the facial piercings and everything and then there was this other guy who was like proper London geezer, probably a boy, I'm going to say 40. And then this one Australian bloke who was like my age and then me and Hannah. Just the most bizarre combination of people. So we're walking to find his bar and he just <laughs> stops at this, like it's the shutters are down, the lights are off, everything stops at it and he just unlocks it and brings us in and then locks it behind us. At that moment, I probably should have been like, um, I'm going to dip. But no, I think it's hilarious at the time. Like, why do I get myself in these situations? Anyway, so he locks it behind us, turns on the music, offers everyone a drink. Like, it's a complete open bar. You can have whatever you want because he's literally just walking behind the bar and getting you whatever you want. I'm pretty sure Hannah left, like, pretty much a... I'd say five or ten minutes into getting to that place and I thought it was a good idea to stay on. I mean, it was a pretty funny night (laughs) from what I can remember, but yeah, I think after a while I was like, okay, it's time to go home, Emma. In my stupid drunk head thought, I see, I like walking home when I'm drunk. I don't know why. I feel like I like the fresh air. I feel like it sobers me up before I get back home a little bit. I just... Yeah, I normally like walking home when I'm drunk. However, should you walk home when you're drunk on your own in London when you don't know where you are? Absolutely not. So (laughs) I got it into my head that I wanted to walk home and they were like, obviously don't walk home. You're being a fucking idiot. If you don't want to pay for an Uber, I'll literally order you on now. But it wasn't even that I didn't want to pay for an Uber. Like I would have happily paid for an Uber. I just wanted to walk home. Anyway, they managed to convince me that that was a really stupid idea. And they sent me off in an Uber and I got home safe and sound, thank God. So yeah, if you're listening to this, don't be like me. Well, I didn't do it, but don't even get it in your head. Never walk home on your own drunk. Only walk home with other people. And probably just never in London, to be honest, because you're kind of asking to get killed. So I get home, pass out on the sofa, wake up the next morning, literally dying a death to not leave the flat all day, like, was a shell of a person 
to say the least. And I've decided that's me. That's me done with alcohol. Mark my words. I mean, not done for life. But at least... Right, I did a month before. I think I can do two months this time. Because realistically, I'm not going to... Like, well, I'm obviously not going to be drinking when I'm doing the yoga course. I don't mind if I just have, like, a beer on the beach when I'm in Goa. It's getting drunk. That's my thing that I want to stay away from. So, yeah, I'm going to do two months, I've decided. Starting... Starting now? Okay, anyway, the nightmare hasn't even happened yet. So, the following day... Right, so I spend that whole day literally being a sloth. The following day... I'm due to meet someone at 9am for a coffee and I get up at 7 o'clock, you know, have breakfast, get ready, get to the time I need to leave, which is quarter past eight and I can't find the friggin' house keys anywhere. Like they are nowhere to be found. I've searched high and low. There is not a single place I haven't checked. I literally, I checked the fucking fridge and the freezer every cupboard, every drawer, the dishwasher, under all the sofa pillows, under the bed, like everywhere you can think of, I checked it. I I even searched through the bin. I bin hooked. (laughs) Not like the black bin outside, but like the bin bag inside. So I can't find it anywhere. I'm freaking out because, well, first of all, my sister is going to murder me. And second of all, I'm going to have to pay a fortune to get like because I don't think there's a spare set, so I was going to have to pay for a locksmith to come out. But then I was like, do you know what? Calm down. You don't need to pay for a locksmith. If I got into the house on Wednesday night, then they're in this flat somewhere. So I just need to chill out and put myself in my drunk shoes and try and think where it really could be. Because I don't want to have to pay for a locksmith to come out and make a set of keys when they're literally in this flat somewhere, guaranteed. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got it in. So I'm texting the person I'm meant to be meeting and I'm like, look, I'm having a fucking nightmare. I can't find the keys anywhere. I've been searching for them for the last 15 minutes. I will keep you updated, but I don't know if I'm going to make it because I can't leave until I find them because then I'm locked out. So it gets to like 20 to 9. Still haven't found them. I meant to be meeting this person at nine and it's a 45 minute walk away. So I text her and I'm like, look, I'm really, really sorry to cancel the last minute on this, but I still haven't found them. So yeah, it looks like I'm locked in this flat for the rest of the day until I find them. So I decide, right, I need to come at this from a fresh mind. I'm going to lie down, have a little nap, and then I'm going to try again because there's obviously somewhere I'm not checking properly. So I go for a nap, I wake up, And I decide that because I passed out on the sofa on the Wednesday night, realistically, the keys are in the sofa somewhere and I'm just not finding them. So I'm like, right, I'm going to take this sofa completely apart because Olivia's sofa, it's like, because it's a corner sofa, it's like modular. So there's lots of parts to it, lots of places things can fall down. You know, it's not just like you take the cushions off the back and that's and just feel down the back and that's it type of thing like the whole sofa has like blocks that can be taken apart that all have gaps in the middle it's just really difficult to do because they're properly you know like screwed to each other basically so I'm tearing apart the sofa for literally the fourth time didn't find it was getting so frustrated and I threw the back pillow of the sofa back onto it like out of frustration I just 
chucked it back on it and as I chucked it back on it I heard the keys like drop and fall on the ground I heard the metal drop on the ground and I was like oh my god yes <laughs> I can't describe to you how happy I was in that moment because I knew they'd dropped out from wherever they were and fell on the ground and turns out they were like in between the hard bits of the sofa as opposed to the pillows and this was about half 11 that I eventually found them. I'm just so glad I didn't have to make that phone call because I genuinely think she would have sliced my throat in two. It was like I'd just been set free. Like I just wanted to walk anywhere and everywhere. I ended up walking into Central. Which by the way, <laughs> if you are trying to shop sustainably, like... Okay, I find it very easy in Leeds because if you go into Leeds city centre, there are so many vintage shops, charity shops, just good, sustainable shops. And I'm sure London has a lot of that as well. But when you go to like Oxford Circus, it's obviously just high street stores, isn't it? Like, whereas with London, it would all be very spread out in terms of the vintage stores and things I feel like well actually not really I guess you can just go to Brick Lane and there's loads there but with Leeds like I can convince myself not to go in somewhere and to just go into a vintage shop instead whereas when you're walking on Oxford Circus and it's just like Zara, Bershka, Primark like everything around you it's so hard to resist the temptation and obviously they've got a lot of shops as well that like other cities like Belfast and Leeds don't have so I'm like oh I'll just pop in for a wee nosy like I'll not buy anything obviously you end up seeing things you like and then it's so hard to convince yourself not to buy it so yeah I t- it took a lot of willpower and my advice really to anyone that tries to shop sustainably would just be just stay away from <laughs> from the high street like that because it's so difficult to convince yourself not to especially when you really like stuff I mean, I always, what I do, because London has a weekday shop, and now I know weekday is owned by H&M, which are not sustainable, but weekday itself, like a lot of their clothes are all made from recycled materials, recycled cotton, organic cotton, and I would say in terms of like a high street fashion label, it's probably, I mean, I want to say it's the most, I wouldn't say it's ethical, but I would in terms of like where it's made and how it's made but I'd say in terms of the fabrics it's probably the best in terms of sustainability I mean I don't know I could be wrong but because London has a weekday shop and I don't think there really is a weekday anywhere else in the UK I was able to kind of just be like no convince myself not to and just wait until I got to weekday so I picked up a few things from weekday I love it in there all the bikinis and stuff are made from recycled materials as well if you're looking for some bikinis for summer because I know that's something you don't really want to buy secondhand do you know what I mean I'm also not saying you should just go and buy everything now from weekday and not any other place because it's more just kind of like the best of a bad bunch type of situation anyway this week's podcast episode I'm gonna do some more travel stories so I did one of these before And you guys loved it and asked if I could tell more stories. So I definitely have a lot more in the bag for you. (laughs) I don't know if I can actually tell some of them because they might be very much to my detriment. But sure, I feel like I've probably embarrassed myself enough at this point. So I may as well just share them with you. 
Okay, first story I'm going to tell is I'm actually really, really outing myself here. I'm, oh God, I'm like already scandered for myself. So (laughs) I'm in, I'm in Koh Phi Phi in Thailand. It's my birthday. So my mum is like, obviously I'm half the world away. She can't give me a present. So she's like, just tell me where you want to stay for two nights and I'll book your accommodation which is such a nice luxury because up until this point I'd been literally staying in like you know six to 16 person dorms so I'm looking on booking.com to try and find somewhere and just a bit of a preface I don't know how they work out the stars in all countries like the stars of a hotel sorry I don't know if it's like a it must be a regulated thing across the board right because if it's like a global thing surely it has to be follow a certain standard however (laughs) I'm telling you now what would they would call a four-star hotel in some places are actually really really vile and I wouldn't actually even want to pay for like I'd stayed in hostels that were cleaner than this place that we ended up booking and bear in mind I'm not Like, I'm not fussy about where I stay or what it's like. As I said, I've literally stayed in, like, 16-person dorms and, you know, really, like, places literally out in the sticks. I've literally... I did a jungle trek where I was staying in, like, wood cabins that had, like, no front or back. They were just kind of, like, huts. So I'm not fussy when it comes to that. However, I'm just saying that for what you're paying... I mean, it was cheaper than what you'd pay in the UK, obviously, because... It was in Thailand, but for what you were paying, for it being a four-star place, it was vile. The the standard of cleaning was terrible. The food was terrible. Everything about it just wasn't nice. But obviously, we weren't really to know that. And the reviews were like, they were decent. So we were like, yeah, fuck it, we'll go for here. I think there was a few nicer places, but they were booked out. And because we'd like left it so last minute, because I never really booked my accommodation until literally the day before or the day of. So we rock up to this place, we get shown to our room. It's a bit filthy, like the sheets have been changed, but it's just not very clean. It's okay. Anyway, there's non-sweet and stuff, a nice bed. So it's like, whatever. It's still a lot more luxurious compared to what I've been used to, I guess, over the last um, couple of months. But bear in mind, it doesn't look anything like it did in the photos. Like, they'd clearly photoshopped the fuck out of the photos to make it look all pristine and white. And yeah, it just looked nothing like that. (laughs) So I think it was the first day. Oh, and sorry, just to elaborate on who I was with at this point. This boy was honestly following me. (laughs) I didn't know how to get rid of him. Actually, that's a lie. I didn't want to get rid of him at this point. We were actually having a really good time traveling together. But further on the line, I desperately needed to get rid of him and that's a whole other story anyway so I'm with this guy and I'm getting ready all right I'm getting the shower to get ready to go out for the night and uh it's in the ensuite and there it's like you know the way a hotel bathroom has like the nice bath mats and the nice white towels and everything so I get out of the shower I'm just drying myself got my towel wrapped around me and I'm standing on the bath mat and then (laughs) Right, do you know when you have, do you know when you need a fart and like nothing in you thinks that would ever be more than a fart? It's just very much, you know, you just think you need a fart. 
<laughs> so I let out a fart and next thing I realised I've shot myself. <laughs> so I'm literally standing there in a white towel and I've shot myself onto the bath mat underneath me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling the story, no actually help. And I was freaking out because I was like, what do I do? I, I'm like, I can't tell this guy that I've literally just shot myself in the bathroom. <laughs> It'd be like, why did you not just sit on the toilet? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But I literally thought it was just a fart. <laughs> so I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I start running the bath mat under the water, scrubbing it using char gel. You know, nothing is coming. Well, it's coming out, but it's very much stained. And there was no hiding that. So I'm like, start considering my options. And I'm like, okay, do I, one, just tell the truth, two, pretend it's sick, or three, try and dispose of it in some way? So I decide that three is my best option. I'm going to dispose of it. And what I do when he's not looking is run out to the corridor and chuck it into the dirty... Do you know the way the cleaners in hotels go around with the the little trolleys that have, you know, the fresh linen and towels and then the kind of laundry bag filled with dirty stuff? And the cleaner's trolley was in the hallway, but she was in one of the rooms. Like, I could see the door was open and she was in there. So I literally just ran up to it, chucked the towel in the laundry basket and ran back within the space of 10 seconds. And I was like, job done, unbelievable, no one will know, I've got away with this. It never even crossed my mind that they would that it would be something they'd try and follow up on. Because I think if that happened in a hotel in the UK, or like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I think if this happened in a hotel in the UK, they wouldn't really bat an eyelid. They'd just be like, oh, someone's really embarrassed about this and has chucked it in the thing. Like, we'll just chuck it in the bin. It's not a big deal. You know, they go through hundreds of tiles all the time. They would never actually try and like find out who it was or anything. So I just kind of assumed it would be the same thing. But no. (laughs) The people that either worked at the hotel or owned the hotel were obviously money grabbers and were not letting me get away with this fucking bath mat. This shit stained bath mat. Anyway, I'm completely oblivious to them knowing I think I have 100% got away with it. So fast forward to two days later. I am, I think, on the beach. I think we're both on the beach And then we realised we need to go and check out. But we'd already like packed all our stuff up and everything. So we were like ready to check out. We just hadn't actually physically checked out. So he's like, right, I'll just go and check out for us and grab our stuff and leave it in like, because you can, you know, the way normally you can leave your bags somewhere with reception until you're actually leaving. So he goes and sorts the checkout while I'm lying on the beach with not a care in the world (laughs) and then I think let's say it gets to about 40 minutes later and I'm like he's kind of taking quite long to check out considering you know we'd literally done everything that needed to be done in the room and packed all our bags all he needed to do was grab the bags and give them our key card so I was like this is a bit weird what's going on 
Still very, very naive to them knowing this, okay? Still don't have a clue. So I walk back. It's only like two minute walk. It's literally like the hotel is basically on the beach, but like just just a bit set back from it. And as I'm getting closer to reception, because it's all very like open, you know, there's no doors and windows. It's all kind of like very outdoor living type of thing. So the reception, I can see the desk from me walking from the beach. And I can see there's a little bit of something happening, a little bit of commotion. You know, I don't really know what's going on, but someone's not happy about something. And I can see this guy, you know, kind of getting a bit frustrated, a bit worked up. And I'm like, right, what is going on here? Bear in mind, the staff were a little bit difficult. So in my head, it could have been anything at this point. Do you know? I didn't know if it was like, it could have been like a mark on the wall or something that they were kicking off about. So eventually I get to the reception and the guy turns to me and is like, they're trying to charge me. I can't remember how much it was in time money, but I think it was the equivalent of about 50 quid, which I know doesn't sound like that much. Like if there was something, say there was like something in my house now with my deposit and they wanted like 50 quid for it, I'd probably be fine with it. But bear in mind, you're on a 30 pound budget a day, including your accommodation. So to be giving out 50 quid for something, it does seem like a lot at the time. So yeah, sorry, he's like, they're trying to charge me 50 quid for some towel with shit on it. My heart literally dropped. I was sweating, my palms were all clammy, my heart was beating so fast. And I was trying to pretend that I had no idea what they were talking about. The lady goes to me, we have it on video. We saw you leave the toilet thing. <laughs> I can't even describe to you the embarrassment. Obviously, when she said that, I was like, okay, well, I can't lie my way out of this one. <laughs> so I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So then I was like, I turned to the guy and I was like, okay, I was sick in the toilet, but I didn't want to make a fuss about it. So I just chucked it in the laundry bin. And then I was like, I'll pay for it. Don't worry. And she was like, yeah, there was human feces on the toilet. Like she said those words exactly. And I was like, no, no, no. I was just sick. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I shouldn't have done it in my head. I was like, I should have fucking taken it out of the property and put it in a bin. Like, what was I thinking? But sorry, the fucking audacity of them to check the CCTV for a little bath mat that probably cost them about five pound, if even. And they're charging me 50 quid for it. That is literally absurd. (laughs) There is no way on earth a little bath mat in a shitty hotel in Kopipi cost him 50 quid. Like, that is a scam. Anyway, I paid the money. I held my head in shame and still kept the story of being sick. Now, did that guy believe it? I don't know. Maybe he did realise when I admitted that I was sick that maybe I did, in fact, shit myself in the bathroom on a bath mat. But I will never know to this day. To this day, I still stand by the story of being sick on it. (laughs) I guess the lesson from this story, maybe the takeaway is that never, never fart when you're in a country that, you know, 
your belly is a bit iffy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the main takeaway from this story. Or if you do, at least be wearing something. Actually, is that worse? Maybe that's worse. I don't know. Would you rather? No, I wouldn't rather be in my clothes. <laughs> but if it was on your clothes, you would not pay if you go out for it. Maybe just save the farts for the toilet. <laughs> what a line. Should that be the title of the podcast? <laughs> save your farts for the toilet. Inspirational quotes by Emma Neil. You heard it here first. Okay, on to the next story. And this time, it's not going to be about shitting myself, even though... I may, (laughs) I may have another one about that, but not for this episode, okay? I don't want to bombard you with too much um, shitting myself stories, to put it lightly. So I'm just going to tell you the story about this time in Koh Tao. So Koh Tao is another Thai island and it's quite well known for diving, So it's got a lot of diving skills and because of that, it's very competitive price-wise because there are so many diving skills. It is so, so, so beautiful. Like one of my favorite places in the world. I think it very much gets overlooked because a lot of people go and they just go to get their diving certificates and then they leave. A lot of the time when people do that, you stay on, like you stay with your school. Like when I did it, I went to the diving school called Big Blue and they have like on-site accommodation. You don't really have an excuse to leave I guess whereas like in other places you would hire a bike and go around the island. In this case you're staying on site of the school, you're diving every day from the school, you've really no excuse to leave. So I think it does kind of get overlooked as just being a good place for diving when in actual fact it is literally the most beautiful island ever and the nightlife is really fun. It's a, very, it's a small island. There's not a huge amount going on in terms of nightlife, but what is there is really, really good fun. So this was actually my second time in Koh Tao. I'd been the first time when I originally went traveling on my own. And then this was when I was actually, this was like a whole year and a bit later um, when I was returning from Australia instead of coming straight home we stopped via Thailand we did a little like mini traveling trip where we did I think a few weeks in Indonesia and a few weeks in Thailand I can't actually remember off the top of my head but yeah we just did those two countries to kind of cover a bit more ground of places that we hadn't had missed out on basically the first time around that we really wanted to see without making it like a you know a big few months trip or anything like that we just kind of wanted to get it done within the space of six weeks but one thing we did want to do was go back to Kotal. I'm pretty sure it was the only place I revisited I think everywhere else I went on this six week trip was yeah as I said new places within both of those countries that I hadn't seen before so I'm with my ex-boyfriend at the time and we decide to go back to Koh Tao, do a bit of diving, you know, maybe go out on a day trip where you do two or three dives in the day and also just see more of the island because I hadn't seen too much of it from the first time I went because I was just getting my license the first time. So we decide to stay on a di- slightly different part of the island so we can travel around it a bit more. But we're very, we were very set in what we wanted to do that night because 
I just had such fond memories of the nightlife the first time round and just everything we did. It was kind of like a bit of a bar crawl, but also with like a beach party thrown. I'll get into that in a minute, but I was just, I had really, really fond memories of it. And I was like, I really just want to go back and relive that because it is just the funnest thing ever. So the plan was to go to this bar for a few drinks and then make our way to the Ladyboy show, which if you haven't heard of, well, I'm sure everyone's heard of the Ladyboy show, you know, the Ladyboys of Bangkok. It's basically a drag queen show, but it's just super glamorous and it's more so a group performance as opposed to do you know the way in the UK anyway like drag queen performances tend to be one person at a time also I think the main difference is that the people in the ladyboys show are actually transgender ladies whereas I'm pretty I think yeah I'm pretty sure they are whereas the drag queens that perform in the UK are men dressing up in drag aren't they So the girls in the Ladyboy show are honestly, like, they're so stunning. They're incredible. They're such good dancers. Everything about it is just, like, wowing. It's just such a fun show to watch. I remembered from the first time being there that they, like, got people up on stage, you know, sat them in a chair and danced around them. So it was quite interactive as well. And it was always really funny to see who would get brought up. This bar in Kotao has a Ladyboy show every single night. So I knew it would definitely be happening. So the plan was drinks before in a bar, then to the Ladyboy show. Then you literally just walk down the street like 100 metres to the beach where there's a load of beach bars and they always have a fire show on the beach. So you know those guys that do all the tricks with the fire and you know the, the skipping rope that's on fire, all that kind of stuff. They're honestly one of the best things about Thailand because you just don't get it anywhere else. The fact that literally on any beach in any of the islands, you'll get a fire show. It's just, it's so fun. And again, they always bring people into it from the crowd and stuff as well. So yeah, walk down the road to the fire show and then gradually, and then once the fire show's done, because I think it ends at say like 11 whenever it ends then just walk up the beach and there's like two bars at the end of the beach one was called fishbowl I don't know how I remember that I can't remember the name of the other one but anyway that doesn't really matter but basically there was these two really fun like bar slash I wouldn't yeah I guess bar slash clubs you know people dancing on tables but like also a beach bar so it was really chill and yeah there was two of them at the end of the strip so that was the plan so drinks ladyboy show fire show and then walk to the end of the beach for one of the beach clubs. So we watched the Ladyboy show. It was amazing as ever. Then we go watch the fire show. And I will say this one in particular was actually one of the best I've ever seen. It was so good. They were getting so many people up. They were doing like the limbo. They were doing all these mad different things with like five people stacked on top of each other, balancing while like spinning fire. It was actually so mad and so fun but yeah the way they kind of like gradually were getting more and more people involved it basically ended up that everyone from the crowd because everyone's kind of just like sat on beanbag type of things on the beach or like just tiles or or just stood up around watching but basically the way they'd kind of gradually got everyone involved everyone was now stood up kind of dancing on the beach so my ex decides 
that it is a great idea when paralytic to pick me up on his shoulders and start running with me and like I don't just mean on his back like I mean he literally ran at me scooped me up do you know what I mean like came under my legs so that I was literally on his shoulders grabbed my ankles and just started running like in what world was that a good idea that was never ever gonna end well I could see it like do you know when you just straight away know that something's not gonna end well with him running at that speed there was no way he was just gonna stop and just then let me down but anyway I was screaming get me off let me down you're gonna fall like I was terrified because bear in mind when someone that's like six foot picks you up like that if you fall like you're at such a height and also you can't you know like so if he was to fall he can like put his foot out and put his arms out and break his fall okay whereas my legs are on him so I'm just gonna head dive into the sand and we're not on like the soft white sand we're on like the sand that's by the sea so it's like pretty rock hard it all happened so quickly but I literally knew it was happening the second he picked me up literally within five seconds I was smacked down on the floor um rolled around with literally about 20 people looking over my face actually 20 is maybe a bit of an over exaggeration I'm gonna say about eight people all kind of crowded around me looking over me and I was like oh my god what the fuck's just happened all these people in my face being like you need to bring her to hospital but I just been knocked out unconscious was really drunk and had no idea what was going on all of a sudden all these people are saying you need to bring her to hospital and I'm like, why? What's happened? What's happened? They were like, can you not feel it? And I was like, no, I can't feel a thing. <laughs> and they were like, you're just probably going to have to get some stitches in your chin, but don't worry. And um, just don't touch it. Like, because I couldn't touch it in case I got any. Well, there was probably already sand and dirt in it because I literally face planted the sand. But someone ran off and got me tissues so I could put pressure on it. So my ex is like, right, everyone give her a bit of space. You know, it was very overwhelming not all eight people could come with me to I want to say hospital but we were literally on a tiny island there was no hospital (laughs) so these two girls were like we'll come with you to help you carry her and stuff and one of the girls was actually a nurse so I think it was just a bit comforting to know that if she was there she'd kind of know they were doing the right thing for me so after asking around like asking the locals what to do because I think it's like 12 o'clock at this point. There's no hospital on the island. However, there is this private like doctor's surgery. Like it didn't look much more than kind of like a GP surgery type of thing. Yeah, it's like a little private one. I don't think they'd be able to do anything major. But luckily they could do, do things like stitches and stuff like that. So yeah, luckily they were open um, I went in, it was all very scary. <laughs> the guy barely spoke any English and I was still very drunk and still couldn't feel anything, which looking back on it is probably a good thing. There's so many funny photos of me actually. <laughs> Wait, I'll try and find the photo of me lying on the hospital bed with my chin split open and my eyes are completely gone. I look traumatized and paralytic at the same time. I'll try and find that photo and I'll set it as the cover photo for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'll bless your eyes with that stunning photo of me. I'm literally as pale as a ghost in it as well. It looks like the life has literally been shaken out of me. 
Yeah, the two girls were great. To be fair, I was able to squeeze their hand while the guy was... Get, I, I couldn't feel the stitches because they give you an anaesthetic, didn't they? But that that needle into the chin, oh, Jesus Christ. That was horrible. Once the anaesthetic was in, obviously, I didn't feel anything in terms of the stitches. But I was left with a big chin patch then for the rest of my holiday. And, well, the whole reason we actually went to Kotal was to dive and then that happened on our first night. So I actually didn't even get to do any diving. I was actually furious. And I made my ex pay for all the hospital stuff. <laughs> well, actually, it actually turns out what happened. So he off he was like, I'll pay for it. This is my fault. Like, I was a fucking idiot. But I kind of thought I would be able to claim it back through my travel insurance. And then I would just get it back to him. And then it turned out I actually didn't have any travel insurance. I was traveling and I thought I had travel insurance, but it had actually expired ages ago. Um, me or my parents didn't realize. I mean, luckily altogether, it wasn't too much. I want to say on that night, it was about 200 quid. And then each time I got it cleaned and dressed, it was maybe like 15 quid each time. I don't think it was like extortionate amounts of money, but I wasn't paying for that. Are you joking? That wasn't my fault. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, luckily it wasn't extortionate amounts that he like couldn't get back on travel insurance because I actually didn't have any. So lesson learned to always make sure you've got good travel insurance because imagine it was a really bad injury or like a broken bone or something like a motorbike crash that caused something that I needed to pay a lot more money for. And then you'd just be completely out of pocket. So yeah, make sure you've got travel insurance. I think I said that on my last Travel Stories podcast because I was talking about the time I fell off a motorbike and luckily that wasn't bad either. But yeah, as I said, there's so many people that get into so many bad accidents with motorbikes when in Asia. So not having travel insurance is literally the worst thing. Okay, I'm gonna leave it there for today. I know that was only literally two stories, but for some reason it took me 45 whole minutes to tell them. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've definitely got plenty more travel stories to tell. So let me know if you want to hear more of them. And I will speak to you guys on the next episode. Love you lots. Bye.